So Taylor, I don't know if you saw this last week, but I was lucky enough to get a 45 minute interview with the Fed guy, aka Joseph Wang. Uh, he is a Fed insider. He was he was on the open market desk trade, you know, involved in QE and QT. And he has a experience level that very, very few people have. And really two things in that conversation stuck out at me. The first actually shocked me, and I never thought about this. He actually said that a lot of the market reaction last week to the kind of bond market was actually led by the Treasury's announcement of refunding. Yep. And last month, their talk of a lot more 30-year and 10-year debt, where that just changed to more shorter term. And he's like, there's been this statement that the Fed is the most powerful organization on the planet, blah, blah, blah. He goes, right now, it's Treasury and how they're funding this, you know, uh, whatnot. So I was curious what you thought of all that. Yeah, essentially, my understanding of this is the Treasury essentially keeps the same stance of bonds that they roll out. So they roll them out percentagely. Okay, this much at a seven year, this much at a 10 year, this much at a 20 year, this much at a 30 year. And right. so this is what we're going to continue to do. Whereas the market thought for some reason that they were going to change that. And mm -hmm. so a guy named Stan Drunkenmiller came out and whacked him over the head. And said, oh, he beat him hard. Listen, you idiots missed the buck on this totally where we should have locked in long-term debt like every corporation, like every smart individual did when rates were at, you know, sub 1% on a 10-year treasury. We should have gone out and locked in long-term debt at that point. And he said, don't use the excuse that this is the way we've always done it because that's not the case. He said, this is not what you did in 2001. In 2001, you didn't lend out 30 years and beyond. You decided you were going to reel it in a little bit. So he said, listen, Yellen, you're not fooling me. You're not pulling the wool over my eyes. I know you guys have changed this policy in the past. Don't stick with, we're going to do it this time because you just missed the buck. Right. Yeah, really, really what was interesting is, is um, Joseph Wang highlighted, I guess it was last month, they surprised the market by extending duration, right? When you blend it all together, which the market didn't like because there wasn't a lot of appetite. Again, I'm just, I'm trying to paraphrase an sure. area that I am not at great at Joseph is right. Follow fed guy. I think it's fed guy one, two on Twitter. If you want to follow. Um, and then the market didn't like it. That's part of the reasons markets ripped higher. Obviously we had a lot of folks like Bill Ackman and others shorting, which, Correct. which drove it higher. Right. So, and then the fed or the treasury treasury came out and basically said, Oops, we're going to go shorter duration now, which brought off this. Plus of course, like video number one, the fed didn't raise weaker economic numbers. And dude, the freaking 10 year note went from 503 to 451 or something at its low. Yep. That's a four sigma move in three days. That's yeah. wild. Yeah. It's it's a massive move. And when you think about just in general, I guess, I guess, and, and maybe I misunderstood this a little bit. So correct me if I'm wrong. Did huh? they did they change and shorten maturity versus what they were proposing? So apparently there were two more done. Is that my so my understanding from Joseph's conversation is last month, or actually I should say last quarter. These are quarterly announcements, not monthly. Okay. Okay. The last quarterly announcement, so not the last, but the one before that, surprised the market by extending duration. They increased the percentage of longs. They reduced short. Okay. The market really didn't like that. In their most recent announcement, which was last Wednesday, the Fed Day and Treasury announcement, same day. And that was Joseph's point is, you guys are missing it. This isn't about the Fed. It's about Treasury. They completely reversed their decision. They they shortened maturity. So they less long, more short. So and, you're removing supply. 
And so think about this. If you're shortening two, logically what you're articulating to the market is that short maturities are better than long. When would long be better? Long would be better if we thought rates were going to go higher. If rates are going to go higher, they would want to lock in, lock in that long-term debt. So what they're saying now is that the Fed's going to have to cut interest rates, which makes the short end more attractive for them, which is the opposite of the buyer on the other side, right? Yeah, no, that, and that's and to Joseph's point when the when the again the the Treasury generally speaking does it's like the Fed they don't want to surprise the market, right? Two announcements ago they surprised with extending the duration. Market didn't like it. People were shorting. Demand supply broken. Yep. Now they come out and they go short, and they're like, oh. Now we know what you're telling us. And then, yep. you know, 50 basis point move in three days. And one of the other, one of the really smart bond managers there are out, out in the world is a guy named Jeff Gunlock. Oh, so, yes. yes. So Je- you've, you've seen Jeff Gunlock. He's a very dry individual, but nonetheless, <laughs> I his, love him. His yeah. comment is always the two year treasury drives the Fed decisions. Correct. So he said, listen, if the Fed's going to raise, the two-year will have already reacted to that prior, and they're just chasing the two-year. the two year. Yeah. He kind of looks at the Fed as like a puppet of the two-year treasury, <laughs> which is obviously the market dictating the yields on that. And he's like, they're always chasing their tail. So I, you know, I don't necessarily fully agree with that, but I think it's an interesting perspective to say, listen, the Fed takes direction off the short end of the curve. And it makes sense because if the market's pricing in rate hikes, then the short end of the curve is going to go higher ahead of when the Fed moves. And if the Fed's, you know, pricing in cuts or the, you know, the market's pricing in cuts, the Fed's not going to raise and might more likely cut in that situation. Yeah. I haven't looked at the two years. So I was just looking it up. It's a basically 4.9. So sub 5%. Yep. Which is down. Yeah. Down from where it was. Absolutely. So again, the other thing, just to kind of play this out, because there were two things that frightened me in that discussion. I guess one was in education. So shout out Joseph Wang for, you know, making me better. The other one is he talked about a, a melt up or a crash up scenario. I don't know if you've seen this, but basically the idea is we're heading into a recession or, or a weaker economy. It's going to force the Fed's behavior. They're going to have to per the market cut four times in pretty quick order. That is going to have an effect on demand for assets, both stock and of course housing. And he's like, he this one scared me. He's like, we could see a pretty meaningful move in assets. Yeah, higher. And and I higher, think higher, not lower, uh, higher. Yeah. Right. I higher. think a lot of what he's saying there is totally fair. This is why I can't get my head around any of this like real crash doom and gloom type market environment. Um, and I'm not an all roses and sunshine guy, don't get me wrong, because I talk about the economy all the time with you, and you know that I'm not yeah. all that productive no. moving forward. But at the end of the day, there's five trillion dollars of cash sitting on the sidelines. Right. There's five trillion dollars of cash and where rates are right now, which is relatively high cash on the sidelines paying pretty well. Yeah. But- Warren Buffett, one hundred twenty seven billion dollars sitting in treasuries. I bet yep. that's never happened before. Yep. Yep. So, again, these massive numbers are sitting on the sidelines. And if we do get some downside, if we do get some cut in rates, it, the downside can happen on either side. Right. And probably it happens at the same time. If you get downside in the market. Maybe it's because the economy's starting to weaken. And then you get simultaneously downside in rates and everyone looks to themselves and says, okay, do I still like 3% sitting on the sidelines or do I like long-term stock market returns? Exactly. And again, you might get a little pain in the short term, but boom, it buys and then it runs on the other side. So listen, it's not to say we can't see downside uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but there is an invisible hand out there that's sitting on the buy button that's waiting for a pullback. And I think that we get some of that if we do get some downside. 
Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. So it's really interesting to me because most of my adult life, I've always assumed the Fed was kind of the most important, you know, or, you know, certainly economic uh, right. force out there. Um, but really understanding in an environment where we have this much debt, right, 31 trillion or 30, whatever the heck the number is, that the Treasury can meaningfully move the market. That was um, that was eye opening. And I, again, cre all credit to Joseph for helping me see that. Taylor, where can people find you? Yeah, find us at Life Goal Investments. We're on both Instagram and on TikTok putting out daily stuff. Very, very Appreciate cool. you, Michael. Thanks again. Yep.